I've been having trouble sleeping lately. I toss, I turn, I have vivid dreams, stressful dreams. I wake up at 3 a.m. and I walk around my house or sit down to write, which of course is ridiculous. The body can't run on four hours of sleep. The mind can't function properly. So my writing has been stifled, which causes me stress because then I'm scrambling for content, which means I have trouble shutting off my mind and getting to sleep. And then when I do, I have these stressful nightmares. They're so intense. I even had a panic attack in my dream the other night. Like as my dreaming self had a panic attack, but it wasn't the worst dream I've ever had. In fact, the worst dream I've ever had, I recorded as an episode of Haunting Season back in March of 2013. So to give myself a little bit of a break after the October sprint we were just in, I'm gonna play that story, that nightmare for you today. Afterwards, I'll give you a glimpse into the future of Haunting Season. I'll reflect on this past year, and I'll tell you about a cool big project I'll be working on this winter. But first, grab your headphones, turn out the lights, find a safe hiding place, and fall in to Haunting Season. Have you ever had one of those dreams that you just can't wake up from? One of those dreams where you swear it's 100% real and it's so vivid that for weeks and weeks after the dream, you can't really decide whether or not it actually happened. I remember the night really well. I was in college. I was living in a really nice dorm room with a really nice roommate and he happened to be away for the weekend so I had my brother come in who lived only about 25 minutes away and we stayed up really late and watched a lot of scary movies and got ourselves totally freaked out and I think that's what put me in the mindset to actually have this dream. My mom was supposed to come pick up my brother but it was pouring, cats and dogs, the hardest rain we'd had in a long time, thunder and lightning and my mom calls my phone and says, I'm not gonna be able to make it. The roads are flooding and I can't get the car through this puddle. I don't think it's safe. You guys just stay there. I'll come and get them in the morning. So we're like, fine, that's great. A little brotherly sleepover. So I lay down to go to sleep and I can't. I don't know if I was having too much fun or I was too scared from the movies, I don't know. The way the room is laid out, we had cinder block walls that were painted white, and the ceiling was cement painted white, and the floor was white, but we had a rug. The door to get into the room was here, and then we had my bed, the bed my brother was sleeping on, and the window. And the window had these really crappy shades that didn't close all the way, and the worst part about the dorm room was right outside the window. There was a street lamp. And as I'm laying there, I look over the clock, and it's 2.30, and I'm thinking like, man, I'm just gonna be trash tomorrow and I have acting class and I wanna do this and I wanna do that. This is causing some anxiety and I'm getting nervous and uncomfortable and I didn't really know why. And this went on for another half hour. So I look at the clock and realize it's three o'clock. And the reason I looked at the clock that time was because it was getting brighter. And the street lamp outside the window kind of looked a little bit more like the sun was coming up. But it couldn't have been coming up because it was three in the morning. And I look over and my brother's in his bed sleeping. And this light seems to just 
ever so slowly be getting brighter and brighter and brighter. So I thought maybe a delivery truck came by because we were on the first floor. It was a little higher than a truck would be, but if it was maybe across the parking lot, or maybe its headlights were shining in and that was confusing me. And normally I would get up and look, but I couldn't move my body. And I was laying there on my back, with my hands at my side, and all I could do was just tilt my head a little bit. And so obviously this starts to freak me out. I'm very claustrophobic. I found this out the other week, which sounds dumb, but my whole life I never thought I was claustrophobic because I can be in smaller places. I just don't like being stuck. Being stuck freaks me out. I cannot handle scenes in movies where people get stuck. The Descent didn't care about the monsters. I cared about when they were climbing through the little thing and they got stuck. 128 hours, whichever the one is with James Franco. Terrifying. I hate being stuck. And so I was riding in the car with someone the other day and they were like, dude, that's called claustrophobia. And I was like, huh, never knew that. So being a claustrophobic person, being pinned to this bed, paralyzed, not being able to move, except for a little bit of my chin to be able to look out the window, I was completely terrified. And this light is just getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And then it seems to almost pierce the window, but without breaking it, just sort of penetrate and start filling the room with light. And it started turning into this weird kind of light without color, without any sort of real life feel to it. The only way I can think of explaining it is when you press on your eyes really hard for too long and you start to see all different kinds of shapes and colors. The room is getting brighter and brighter and brighter and all of a sudden the white walls and the white ceiling and the white floor seem to be engulfed in this light that seems to be everywhere and just sucking up everything and coming through the window the source of the light, almost like an orb, floating into the room and then hovering at the foot of my bed. And it seems then that arms of light or beams of light are coming out of it and searching my body. And it was a physical feeling and a mental feeling and an emotional feeling at the same time. Like it was touching every single part of my body inside and out, massaging my brain, caressing my heart, touching absolutely every pore of my entire body. And meanwhile, I cannot move, just pinned to the bed. The walls and the ceiling are completely gone. I'm just in this infinite light with the orb searching my body. And all of a sudden, all of the light sucks back into the orb and it's pitch black and I can move again. And I instantly curl up into a ball at the top of my bed. And my eyes are trying to adjust and I'm looking around the room and the floor is there, and, and the walls are there, and my brother is there, and the ceiling is there. Everything is the same. The light outside of the window, the shades. Everything is exactly how it was, with the exception of one thing. A tall, shapeless figure standing on the foot of my bed without making an imprint. And my eyes start to move from its feet all the way up to what seems to be the shape of a head. And as our eyes meet, my body is thrown violently back into the position of paralysis. Exactly the position I was in before. I can't move, I'm stuck, pinned to the bed. Only this time my eyes were stuck, locked with his. And it started to look like the face of an old man. And his mouth was opening as if to speak, but it kept opening. And suddenly his jaw unhinges and his mouth starts to pull away. And inside of it is hair. 
and as the mouth pulls back further and further across what seems to be another head, the face of a crying woman comes out, the teeth of the old man ripping at her flesh as it goes over to the top of her head. And before the man's teeth are completely gone, the woman's eye starts to expand, and her face starts to suck into it. And as her face is sucking into it, the face of an infant, a baby, starts pulling around the side of the face. And this happened over and over and over again, never staying on one face. All of these painful faces, breaking, coming out of each other, going into each other, being eaten, being thrown up, coming out of someone's ear, coming out of someone's eye. Millions of people's faces, real people, morphing one into another in the most painful ways. And as I'm stuck, paralyzed, staring at this thing at the foot of my bed, it speaks. I am Yusubab. I have come to take your world from you. I have taken the people you love. I have consumed their souls. They belong to me now, as will you. You will be my greatest follower. You will be my favorite. He explained to me in a living word, a word that was in my ears and in my brain and in my soul simultaneously, that he was taking my world from me and that I would be his greatest follower. You will worship me. You will love me. Not knowing what else to do, not being able to move or look away from this horrible thing, I began to pray a familiar prayer. Oh God, my Father, supremely good, beauty of all things beautiful. And as I was praying, his voice became louder and louder, and I couldn't understand what he was saying anymore. And I continued, to you I will entrust whatsoever I have received from you, and so shall I lose nothing. And then he began to repeat, and so shall I lose nothing, and so shall I lose nothing, and so shall I lose nothing, and so shall I lose nothing. And with every sentence came a new face, and with every face came a new voice, and so shall I lose nothing, and so shall I lose nothing, and so shall I lose nothing. And that's when I realized that every single one of those faces was the face of someone he had taken, a face of someone whose soul he owned. And I frantically began looking for friends, relatives, people I loved, all the time him repeating, and so shall I lose nothing, and so shall I lose nothing. And when I realized that I wasn't seeing anyone that I knew, anyone that I loved, my mind quickly went to finishing the prayer. What were those words? What were those words? And so shall I lose nothing. And finally it came to me. You made me for yourself. And my heart is restless until it rests in you. And suddenly it was silent and a great light started coming from the eyes of the horrible thing, and it engulfed the entire room, swallowing it in bright light. And then just as before, and I was free to move. And as my eyes adjusted, I realized that it was daylight and that I was wide awake. And I turned and looked at my clock, and it was 11 a.m., and my phone was buzzing, and it was my mom saying that the storm was over and that she was coming to pick up my brother. Right after she picked up my brother, I sat down at my computer and I wrote down all of the details of this dream. And I tried to analyze parts of the dream and figure out exactly why it felt so real. I never remember falling asleep that night. And I never remember waking up. I don't remember moving from my bed all I remember are those details. 
I never told my brother, but he never mentioned anything about anything weird happening, and I feel like with that going on, it might be something that you bring up in the morning. So I don't know. Completely unexplainable. I don't know what it means. Well, that's my story for today. Let me know what you think. Hey friends, do you want to write scary stories like me, but you don't know where to start? Well, let me tell you about a course I took online called Nightmare Fuel, which is presented by Autocrit, our sponsor, guiding you through everything you need to know to develop and create amazing tales packed with fear and terror. Nightmare Fuel is an absolute horror writing survival guide with a healthy measure of self-study, workbooks, videos, and intensive live virtual classrooms. In addition to the impressive breadth of knowledge from the teachers, the course also features exclusive and meaningful guidance from Rain Hall, gothic horror author and creator of the Writer's Craft Guidebook series. Okay, so you've got your money's worth right there, but let me tell you about the parts where I really benefited, and that's the private member community and the editing software. The Autocrit software is like hiring a great therapist. It's there to guide you towards making good decisions in your writing, but you still do the work yourself and make your own decisions. The software can run hundreds of reports that help you critique your own writing, pacing, and repetition, and it has taken my writing to a whole new level. Now, I made friends during the class, talented, hard-working friends who love to write stories like I do, and we were able to connect, to chat, share our work, and get feedback from each other without sharing personal information through the private Autocrit network, which for me is like if I could take my favorite social media platform and remove everyone who's not interested in what I like. I can't tell you enough how valuable this class has been for me, and they don't just do horror, they have sci-fi and fantasy as well, so if you're looking to get started in writing or you just want to take that next step to get better, check out hauntingseason.com autocrit. Good evening, world, and welcome to Haunting Season. Halloween marks the end of my spooky year. It's a time to celebrate the past 12 months, to binge scary movies, and to finally relax after a heavy October of flooding the internet with extra doses of Haunting Season. And now as we roll into November, I find myself craving a season of rest. I'm looking forward to family time and traveling back to the East Coast and watching some scary Christmas movies, which I have to admit is not a regular tradition of mine. I'll be excited to experience that for the first time this year. I have no idea what to expect. This past year, bringing Haunting Season back to life has been so fulfilling. With new platforms like TikTok, I've been able to grow the show while still connecting with OG friends of the show on YouTube. I've explored platforms like Letterboxd, Slasher, Instagram, and Hi-Ho. I've done two shows per month for over a year now, plus some special episodes and weekly shows on occasion like this last sprint through October. It's been a blast, and very informative. I've seen what works and what doesn't. I've experimented with ASMR and more traditional storytelling. I've played characters and creatures, and now I'm starting to invite guests to enhance the story with their voices as well. There is an evolution of the show that I'm always striving for, and I'm starting to see what that next version is through the creative fog here. As I move into winter, I'm mindful of the hard work I've put in and aware of my goals for the show as a whole, but I'm in a great need of rest, to recuperate, to write, to make a game plan for year two. This is not to say I'm going to stop posting. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't want to lose momentum, but instead I want to use the next two to three months to take the pressure off of myself creatively and allow for room to explore some big ideas, not just for the show as a podcast and a social platform, but as a larger entity as well. 
And I also have this big project I'm working on with Chris of North Innsbruck. You know, the guy that makes that sweet, sweet synthwave sound you hear throughout the podcast. Yeah, something big is on the horizon that we've been workshopping for about eight months. It has something to do with his next record and my love of writing horror stories. But more on that at a later date. The future, my friends, is bright and busy. So in order to make room for all of this, I'm going to be bringing back stories from 2015, some archive stories, if you will, like the one we heard tonight, and I'll be reflecting on them personally. I'll also share stories from some other authors that I met through my writing class. It's all good stuff. This story that I shared today, The Devil's Grip, uh, I remember this happening in college. I remember it very vividly, and I remember that there were other parts to the dream that I don't remember as clearly as the entity at the end of my bed. I remember being uh, taken out of my room with another flash and suddenly we were in the sewers. And and I remember a couple of the people that were there were people in my theater group in college and that we were dredging through the sewer system in order to get to the football field. And at the football field, they were crucifying Jesus, (laughs) which is just crazy. And so I remember getting out and there was this one guy who was a really big tall guy in our theater group and uh he he was somehow a police officer in this dream and and he took me and he started beating me and he kept punching me in the face and every time i got punched uh a nail was going back into jesus's hands or feet i don't know what this really symbolized i know there's probably a lot of guilt that comes along with it the the weight of whatever guilt or whatever rough feelings i was having at that time i mean being a 20 something in college is really confusing you still have your teenage hormones raging and i don't even know where i'm going with all of this other than I remember this dream and I remember that there were other parts to it that were truly bizarre. But I will never forget with full clarity that image of the devil's face being pulled and opened with all the faces of the people I knew and loved stretching a mouth over the back of the head and an eye stretching over the front, morphing endlessly into all of these different people and knowing that their souls had been taken. It was really scary. I think it's the only time I've ever truly experienced sleep paralysis because I remember being weighted down and I couldn't move and it felt real like it was happening right in front of me, like it was happening to me and I had no control over my body. I could move my eyes around, but everything else was glued to the sheets and I never had that again. So anyway, that's a little bit of an insight into this story and where this dream came from. And, uh, man, you know, I've had bad dreams since, but never one quite as vivid as this. But if you're like me, you tend to kind of enjoy the nightmares. They're exciting. It's like living in your own horror film. And no matter how scary they get, even with the sleep paralysis in this one, it's still kind of like a show happening on the inside of your mind. Anyway, I'm rambling at this point. I appreciate you listeners and friends of the show, fellow weirdos, freaks, and geeks. And while October has passed and Halloween decorations are being replaced with a gruesome splattering of Christmas, please remember to stop on by, because here, it's always haunting season. 
Haunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, and as a joint production of Matt Gielen and Believe Limited. Executive produced by Patrick James Lynch, Matt and Ryan Gielen. And we have a new producer to the show, Keith Corneluck. Welcome, Keith. This episode was written and performed and edited, actually, by Joshua Sterling Bragg, which is me, using music made exclusively for the show by North Innsbruck. If you want more of the show, if the pod just isn't enough, check out Haunting Season on TikTok for daily horror talk and scary movie reviews. That's it for today's show. And remember, we're more likely to survive if we stick together. I'll see you next time. 